Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the January 13th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, the NFL wild card, super wild card weekend, it's called now. Episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. The road to 272 bets is complete, but that doesn't mean that we're done. I'm still going to bet on every single NFL playoff game. Oh, and Daisy just knocked over my AirPods. Thank you. We're off to a hot start today. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to get a little aggressive. I've been tweeting about all week uh, about the underdogs that I'm on, so I'm going to get into those. Um, but yeah, we finished week 18. We ended 9-7 and seven for plus 1.19 units, which brings my total final record for the road to 272 bets to 151 wins, 120 losses, 1 push for 25.47 units. That is a win rate of 55.71% and a return on investment of 9.36%. Very, very, very happy with this season. This season will be a benchmark moving forward. I would be shocked if I beat this record next season or the seasons to come. Um, but this, uh, I, set, I set a high benchmark for myself. So uh, I also tweeted out, um, what I've done now for two seasons combined, because for those of you who remember who listened last year, I did the road to 256 bets, because there was one last week, and last year I finished 130, 119, seven pushes for plus 5.79 units, so I have bet on every single NFL game the past two seasons, and my total record from the two of them combined are 281 wins, 239 losses, eight pushes, for plus 31.26 units for a uh, win rate of 54.04%, with a good portion of those being underdog money line picks as well. Pretty good. <clears throat> um, that's a large enough sample size that I'm at least confident saying I kind of know what I'm doing when it comes to betting on the NFL. I think now I can comfortably say it's my strongest sport, but I'm still a little bit nervous that next year I'm just going to like lose 30 units and just be terrible at it. So 
Uh, if I have another profitable year doing this next year, and I will be doing this next year, or next season, I should be, should say, because it's technically going to be later on this year, um, then I might start increasing how much I'm going to bet. But I'd like to see three years of constant profit, uh, especially with the first one only being up 5.79 units. So we'll see how that goes later this year. I'm going to break down a little bit more uh, later on in the episode about um, how I did this year, what teams I were my most profitable, what weeks were my most profitable. I'm going to break down my bets divided by white, what type of bets for money lines, spreads, and totals, and all that good stuff. Then I'm going to give out who I'm on to win the Super Bowl, and then I'll be giving out my best bet for all six NFL Super Wildcard Weekend plays. But before I get in, into all of that, I would like to just take a step back and explain my handicapping process a little bit. Um, because I don't, I don't know if I actually have done this before, especially for the NFL. And I think maybe this will clear up why I, I look at certain stats and I'm always kind of citing very similar stats over and over again, especially net yards per play. You guys are probably sick of me saying the words net yards per play or uh, yards per play on offense and yard, opponent yards per play on defense. You're probably, if you've listened to this podcast all season, you're sick of me saying yards per play. Um, but the reason why I cite them so much, and this is kind of my handicapping strategy when it comes to the NFL. And I want to be clear when I say this, that I am not saying that this is the objectively right way to handicap NFL. I'm not telling you that this is how you should handicap the NFL. I'm not telling you, you know, that that, that this is the smartest way to bet NFL or the most efficient. Um, but this is what my handicapping process has been for the past two seasons, and it's clearly worked for me. So my view on gambling on the NFL, and this kind of explains why I don't look at things like um, motivation or intangibles or, um, you know, all the Titans fans that were arguing with me are just saying they just find ways to win. You can't measure any of those things. So when I'm looking at the NFL, the way I think about it is, okay, let's break the sport of football down into its most basic concept. And what is football when you look at it at its ground level? If you break it down as far down as possible, what is the goal of the sport of football? It is moving the ball forward on offense and preventing the other team from moving the ball forward when you're on defense. That's what really football boils down to. Now, some people might say, no, Ian, it's scoring points and not allowing the other team to score points is what it boils down to. But... My counter to that is, you don't just teleport the ball into the end zone. Whether you get down the field in one play for 67 yards, or if it takes you 12 plays for 67 yards to get in the end zone, you still have to move the ball there one way or the other. So, scoring points is probably the goal, but what the kind of base of the sport is, is moving the ball as best as possible, and preventing the other team from moving the ball. So then, so then you would might think, okay, look at yards per game, look at opponent yards per game, but that doesn't give a true sign. Of course, Daisy's going to be annoying and scratch my door. Go, and please stay out, Daisy. Um, because then what if you only, I mean, a team that ran 50 plays for 500 yards is going to look a lot different than a team who ran 30 plays for 500 yards. So my opinion is that the yards per play stat breaks down football into its most basic form, which is moving the ball and preventing the other team from moving the ball. Net yards per play is really just combining yards per play and opponent yards per play. Now, 
I look at that first and foremost, but obviously that shouldn't be the only thing that you look at, but that's what I weight more because that is that is the one stat that is as tangible and as basic as you can get. Then from there you can build off that and look at other tangible stats, tangible stats that you can really measure. Things like third down conversion rate. Then you can look at style of play. How often does a team run the ball? Okay, this team runs the ball a lot. How does their opponent do in stopping the run? And everything is going to get built off that base stat of yards per play and opponent yards per play. That's how I look at it. I've tried to ignore things like public narrative. That's a big thing that I try to do is ignore public narrative because we have our own biases. I hear a lot of people just say, oh yeah, maybe the numbers don't back it up, but it, but they pass the eye test. Well, if you know anything about psychology or anything about, I guess, the criminal justice system, really, you know that eyewitness testimonies are like the most unreliable form of evidence. Barely accepted in the court of law, to be honest. Because our eyes deceive us because our biases, you got confirmation bias, you got, you know, things like gambler's fallacy. Um, we aren't as smart as we think we are, so we shouldn't just trust our eyes and our gut feelings and, and our initial assumptions. Numbers are numbers. They don't lie. Now you can still look at every every single number you want. You can look at every single stat you want. You can watch game film if you want to get that crazy. You're still not going to hit at a high rate. You're still going to get a, a, a ton of bets wrong because sporting events between two humans across the span of only a 60-minute time frame, which is how long games are, there's a lot of randomness, there's a lot of variance, uh, you know, referees, bad calls, good calls, there's just too much variance. Someone was arguing with me on Twitter that, that good gamblers hit at, hit at a 65% rate. That's just impossible. That's impossible. There's too much randomness, maybe over like a small sample size, but over a large sample size, hitting at 65% is impossible. There's too much variance. If you're hitting at 65%, then that means like you literally know the future. There's no, there's no number of numbers or stats you can look at where you're eventually going to figure out exactly what's going to happen. There's randomness. In the background here in Brooklyn, I think I hear gunshots, and I hear some kind of siren as well. Do you guys hear that? Gunshots, fireworks. Definitely, definitely, uh, what is that? An ambulance or the sirens in the city are weird. They're not normal police sirens where I grew up. Or they, you can hear them. That's not what sirens were growing up, so I don't even know what that was. It's life in the big city for you. So there's my rant about. <laughs> Got distractions from the cat, from the sirens, gunshots, fireworks. We're back, baby. We're back. I'm back, and by the way, I'm back in my home apartment. Um, I'm cured from COVID. I'm not recording at my girlfriend's place like it was last week. And I think there's no better way to welcome myself back to recording in my Brooklyn bedroom than uh, Daisy causing havoc and there being sirens out the window. All we need now is the Brooklyn garbage truck to make an appearance and we've, uh, uh, and we've hit the whammy. But anyways, I wanted to give you guys a quick breakdown of how my mind works when I break down these games. Once again, I'm not saying this is the absolute correct way to handicap football games, um, but that's kind of how my mind works, and it's worked for me for past two seasons. Now, maybe I say all this, I'll try to handicap the same way next year, and I'll lose 30 units. Who knows? I'm not claiming that I'm a professional better. I'm not claiming that this is the best way to do it. I'm not claiming that I'm some super genius. This strategy has worked for me for two years in the past. Uh, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but I will make small adjustments heading into next year, and I'll get into those in a bit. 
Um, but I do have an ad read that I do need to go over, but I don't have it up in front of me because uh, I guess I didn't uh, think about doing that. So I'm going to pause and then come back for an ad read because i got to bring this up. Okay. Ad read time. Check out the Blind-Sided Podcast. Plan your work and work your plan. For many athletes, sayings such as this could be considered scripture. Permanent signposts lining the long road to success in sports. For some, the very act of pursuing a career in sports can give a sense of control, a sense of safety so long as you stick to the plan. That is until life happens. Bum, bum, bum. The kind of life that happens when you're making other plans. Breakdowns, insecurity, panic attacks, PTSD, addiction, sudden life changes. Ones that require an athlete to toss aside their well-laid plans and answer the question, what is your next play? Blindsided is a podcast about sports, mental health, and life, hosted by former NHL goaltender Corey Hirsch, fellow goalie. I was a goalie my entire life growing up as well. Shout out Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. The podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes describe moments when mental health became the most important focus of their lives. Blindsided then dives in deeper, sorry, then dives in deeper. It gets clinical and allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a sports podcast not only for those who follow sports, but for those who don't. Guests this season include Kevin Love, Paul Bizanet, aka Biz Nasty, and Kurt Warner. What an all-star lineup. Check out Blindsided Podcast. It's fantastic. Um, fun fact about me, I wanted to get into sports psychology. That was my initial plan when I quit football, so this is right down my alley. Uh, turns out you have to be smart to get into sports psychology. You need like a 4.0 GPA. As I'm sure you can assume, I did not have a 4.0 GPA, so um, I didn't get into sports psychology. I graduated with an undergrad in psychology and then worked for a bank for a couple years before getting into sports media. Um, fun fact about me. There you go. Blindsided podcast. Check it out. Um, so there you have it. I'm back at my at my uh, in my room as I mentioned at my computer. So that means I have the theme song this week. Let's get into the NFL wild super wild card weekend episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Let's go. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. Alright, let's get into a little recap of the road to 272 bets. Now, if you just want my picks for wildcard weekend, check the description there. I'll have the timestamp of when I actually get into the picks. Um yeah, like I said at the start, 151, 120, and 1 plus 25.47 units, 55.71%, 9.36% return on investment this year. Funny enough, my only, and a few people pointed this out, my only push all season, I had one push. Last year, I had seven. My only push this year wasn't even a spread or total push. It was when I was on the Lions money line against the Steelers, and it was literally a tie. My one push was the only tie in the NFL this year. Uh, I, I just kind of ironic how that worked out. So I broke down how I did each week and really what I did. And I kind of knew this, um, all along, but I got off to a really hot start to the season in the first four weeks. And then I just coasted along kind of enough to the point where I didn't lose. I didn't finish down. 
Because even so, even just from weeks five through eighteen, um, I did it. I didn't write down the exact number, but I only I was only up like one point five units or something between weeks five and eighteen. Uh, but the first four weeks, I was just on fire. Now, some people might look at that and think, "Well, oh, well, maybe you didn't actually have that good." Oh, is that the garbage truck? Garbage truck appearance. We've hit the the whammy, and we're not even fifteen minutes into the show. Um, well, if you take away those four weeks, you don't even have that good of a season. Yeah, but I mean, I bet those four weeks. I can't just not include my four of my best weeks. My best week, ironically enough, was first week of the season. For those who remembered, I somehow went thirteen and three in week one. <laughs> um, uh, I wish I kept my document of uh, how I did because I did a breakdown for last year's road to two fifty six, but that document was on my laptop. That was given to me by Odd Shark, and I didn't transfer that over. So when I handed in that laptop when I quit that job, uh, I lost all the documentation from that year. So I would have liked to see how I did in the first few weeks last year compared to this year. Maybe that's something I need to monitor next year. Uh, my I, my two worst weeks, they're basically the same. Week 9, I went 5-9 and nine for minus 4.57 units. In week 17, I went 6-10 and 10 for four po- minus 4.56 units. Those were really my only two bad weeks. Um, uh, week seven, I, I lost a, a smidge over two units, and that's really it. So I'm that I think that might be what I'm kind of most proud about in this whole thing. Is I out of eighteen weeks, I only had two weeks that were like bad. Now I, I had a lot of weeks that I were just about even. Like week ten, I was plus half a unit. Week twelve, I was plus point two four units. Week fourteen, I lost half a unit. Week five, I lost five, like point zero five units. So I had a lot of just kind of average weeks. I only had two bad weeks. Week nine and week seventeen. I mean, if I can go a full eighteen week season and only have two bad weeks, I'm gonna keep doing well. Um. Week 13, I did pretty well, plus three units. But the main thing, so now I'm going to get into how I did with each type of bet. The main thing is, I did well with my Moneyline underdog picks. Now, that was my strategy coming into this season at the start, was to get more aggressive with my Moneyline underdog picks. uh, Because I did well with those again last year. And I did get aggressive with them like the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season. Uh, I kind of got away from it down the stretch. So I think next year I need to stay. Because I got up so much, I kind of just got in the mindset where I just... Um, didn't want to lose a ton, and I was afraid if I was going to keep firing on big money lines, uh, it was going to, you know, uh, regress, and I was going to lose kind of what I had up till that point. Uh, but I think next season, I'm gonna, I got to stay a little bit more aggressive with the money line underdog picks throughout. So with all money line picks this season, and I will say I just added them all up money lines. So there was a few of them were like that were minus one ten and pick 'em games that didn't have a spread. Uh, but for all money line picks this season, I went 18, 13. And one for plus eleven point four one units. So I mean, I was five wins above five hundred on money line picks, and all except for I think three of them were like actual plus money underdogs. Um, Bengals, I know I hit big. I think Bengals against the Ravens, and I didn't write down what week that was, but that was a that was a big win. I remember that one when they smoked the Ravens the first time they played them. Uh, the Eagles won game. I forget which one that one was. That Oh, yeah, Bengals. October 24th, Bengals plus 225. That was big. Um, I'm just trying to see here. I didn't write down what exactly my biggest picks were. I know the Eagles. Eagles plus 165, October 10th. 
that was nice. Um, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta stick to that more often throughout throughout the season instead of just abandoning that near the start. So I did really well with those money line underdog picks spreads. I went 117.88 for a win rate of 57.07% plus 18.54 units. So I did very well with spreads this year, um, which is uh, actually was my weakest part last year. So I'm very happy with how I did with spreads this year. 57% is amazing, um, plus 18.54 units, and then totals. Now, totals were obviously my weak point. I had a ton of people tweeting at me, a ton of people in my DMs telling me to stop betting totals. And they were easily my worst. Not as bad as I thought, though, to be fair. So with totals this season, I finished 16 for 19 for minus 4.48 units. So I lost money on totals. I would have thought I would have been worse, though. And I looked into it at the start of the season. I was actually pretty good. I think it was October 10th, so whatever week. That would have been week four, week five. Um, I was up like four units on totals, but then I ended the year on a five and thirteen run on totals. Um, so not as bad, because I, I, actually last year I did better on totals than I did uh, spreads last year. So I'm not going to completely give up totals. I might reevaluate how I bet them a little bit, but really at the end of the day, I only made thirty five totals bets. So it wasn't a big sample of totals. I just ended the season on a terrible run. But my last total bet, uh, week eighteen, I hit that. So. Yeah, not great totals. I lost money on totals. Might reevaluate a little bit how I'm going to bet those moving forward. Still not as bad as I initially thought before I did up the numbers, though. So, plus 11.41 units on money lines, plus 18.54 units on spreads, minus 4.48 units on totals. Then I t- took a look at what teams I bet on the most and which ones were the most successful for me. Funny enough, the Cowboys. Now, what was the Cowboys' final spread record here? Uh, most profitable team by far for me as far as betting on them. I bet on the Cowboys eight times, and I went 7-1 and one, uh, when I was betting on the Cowboys. Why can't I find where NFL ATS standings? Now, what I didn't do this year and I'm going to do moving forward is I didn't record in these games who I was betting against, which I would like to see... Next time, so I mean, the Cowboys were thirteen and four. They had the best ATS record this season, um, but I was on them for nine of their wins. I want to see how bad I did betting against some teams. I did. I only in my spreadsheet, and some of you I requested access for, and I gave it to you. Um, I only marked down who I'm on. I don't mark down who I'm against. That's going to change in the future because I want to see what teams um, I bet against and lost all the time. Broncos. I was four and zero betting on Broncos. Um, Browns. Browns screwed me this year. They were my preseason Super Bowl pick, if you remember, and I bet on Brown on the Browns in 14 games this season. More than any, I bet on the Browns more than any other team, and they uh, and I went five for nine for minus 4.5 units. And what what were their final uh, against the spread record here? Seven and ten. So nine of their ten spread losses this season, I had money on them. Five for nine, minus four point five units. Plus, they were my Super Bowl pick preseason. That lost. <laughs> Browns fucked me this year. <laughs> Just fucked me. Uh, Eagles, my darling. Seven for five, plus two point zero one units. Like I said earlier, I hit a big money line on them. I forget which game. Rams, I bet on a lot too. Thirteen times I bet on the Rams. I went eight for five for plus two point eight eight two point eight eight units. 
<coughs> those were the teams that kind of stuck out. Like I said, I didn't record the teams I bet against, only the teams I bet on. That's going to change next year because I'm sure there's some teams I bet against a ton and probably lost a ton. So that's going to be a change I, I'll make for next year. So overall takeaways, I don't really have any. I got off to a really strong start to start the year and then I stayed power for the course for the most part the rest of the year. I need to, my two biggest takeaways are I need to probably revisit how I'm going to bet on totals a little bit, and I need to keep firing on big money line underdogs throughout the season. I chickened out from them the second half of the season, and those are my big money makers, especially early in the year. So, those are my takeaways. Let's get into uh, the NFL playoffs here. Now, for those of you who already listened, I already have outright's uh, Super Bowl bets on the Bills at bet at one point, I believe is plus 750, the Packers at plus 800. Um, what did I get the 49ers at? I'm at the I'm on the Raiders at 40 to one. I wrote an article at the start of December advising you to bet on them at sorry the Raiders at 80 to one. I think I just said 40 to one, 80 to one at the start of the year um, to bet on the Raiders. They're available like 150 to one at WinBet, and I think they were around that price at some other books. I got a bad price on them because I did it one night when I was a few beer deep, and I didn't price shop for it. Uh, the 49ers I got at plus 3,000. So I got Raiders 80 to 1, 49ers uh, 30 to 1, um, Bills plus 750, Packers plus 800, and uh, the only, I only added one other team. So I'm going to have probably five Super Bowl bets, and I won't make any more until the Super Bowl actually happens. The last team I added on before wildcard weekend is I added on the Rams at 10 to 1. So Rams, Bills, Packers, Raiders, 49ers, all at varying prices throughout the season. Um, and the one that I just placed right now is Rams at 10 to 1. Those are my Super Bowl picks. I'm dying on the hill of net yards per play because uh, those are all the top teams in net yards per play. Before I get into my picks, let me just list off the top, top teams um, if you're curious. Now, you can just Google net yards per play and it'll come up. If you're if you're buying in net yards per play like I am, here are the top five teams in the NFL: Bills, 49ers, Buccaneers, Rams, Patriots. Ironically, the Browns are sixth and miss the playoffs. The bums. Raiders are seventh. Cowboys eighth. Eagles ninth. Packers tenth. Seahawks eleventh. Surprising. Chargers twelfth. Surprising. Bengals thirteenth. Cardinals fourteenth. Chiefs 16th, but I don't put a lot of as much stock into the Chiefs at 16th in net yards per play because they're really a tale of two seasons. They completely changed their game plan, both offensively and defensively, around like week eight or week nine. Um, so I don't put a whole lot. I, 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 think, I think this Chiefs played like they did the second half of the season all year. They'd be ranking near up up near the top. But if you're a believer in net yards per play, you might want to target Bills, 49ers, Buccaneers, Rams, Patriots. So there you have it. Let's get into my wildcard picks. I've done enough ranting already. Let's let's get into some wildcard picks here. All six games. And I got three money line picks, money line underdog picks. For anyone, by the way, wondering who is listening to the first time now, I didn't bet any money line favorites all season. That's a cop-out. Some people saw my record and they thought that um asked if I would bet any money line favorites. No, that's you're a wimp if you're betting money line favorites. The only time it was close to a favor was if it's a pick'em. Because there's no spread, so minus 110. Other than the minus 110s, all the money lines are at least, we're, we're all plus money. Um, okay, my picks. Chronological order here, Raiders. You probably know this one already because I've tweeted this out. I've gone on radio, I've done podcasts, I did bet-sided videos. 
Raiders are my best bet for the week. I'm not even going to take the points. I'm going to take the Raiders plus 200 on the money line against the Bengals. Now, like I mentioned, I am kind of biased towards the Raiders here. I have stock in the Raiders. I like the Raiders more than a lot of other people do. I think there is a public perception about the Raiders that they're just the Raiders and they're the same old Raiders. And I think Derek Carr is an underrated quarterback and always will be. But I like them in this spot. Now, I know they already lost to the Bengals this year in Week 11, but I think they're being undervalued. Both offenses are very similar in quite a few areas. Um, the Bengals do have a slight advantage, I will say that, but it's something like sixth in like yards per play compared to like Raiders are like seventh. Um, I don't know if that's the exact number. I didn't put that part down in my notes. So let me just look that up really quick. Um, but the Raiders numbers are very similar to the Bengals offensively, but there's a big difference in their defensive numbers. So just in yards per play, the most basic, uh, Bengals are seventh, Vegas is 10th. So pretty small difference there. Defensively, Raiders have a big advantage. Ninth in opponent yards per play, Bengals are 21st. In opponent yards per pass attempt, which is important because both offenses are going to be pass or are pass first offenses. I know that uh, there might be some weather issues on Saturday afternoon, but who knows how much they're going to change their game plan? That's kind of hard to predict. But both of them are mostly pass first offenses. But the and the Raiders are sixth in opponent yards per pass attempt. Bengals are 21st. 6.3 opponent yards per pass attempt compared to 6.7. So two offenses are comparable. Raiders have the better defense. Bengals are kind of a public darling right now, especially considering they beat the Chiefs there to clinch the division in Week 17. I'm going to take the Raiders. I think I honestly think they are the better team here. But they're big underdogs, and I'm getting aggressive in the playoffs. Raiders, plus 200 on the money line against the Bengals. First bet of the weekend. Saturday night, Bills and Patriots. Uh, probably no surprise to you guys. Bills minus four, minus one ten here. I was on the Bills in both of their matchups uh, in this season. I'm gonna back them again. The Patriots did win the first time around, but I honestly think, and maybe this is an excuse, but I honestly think that game was a bit of an outlier. There was insane weather. It was windy. It was what was it? Even snowing, or was it just windy? Heavy winds, though. Ironically, the Bills aren't built to play in Buffalo. I think the Bills would have more wins if they played in a dome. They are a pass-first offense, and their strength on defense is the, their pass defense. So I am a little bit nervous because I think the, the weather is going to be shitty on Saturday night. But the Bills, statistically, and this is not a hot take. You can Anyone who like looks at uh, statistics or analytics or advanced analytics would agree with me. The Bills, statistically and analytically, are the best team in the NFL heading in the postseason. Look at the record all you want. Look at their loss to the Jaguars. If you're a believer in statistics, if you're a believer in analytics, the Bills are the best team in the NFL hitting the postseason. Those are just numbers. Those are just numbers. Even in that game, that first game against the Patriots, they almost won the game. They drove the field late in the game. They got down to inside the red zone. I think it was like the 12-yard line, or it might have even been inside the 10, and they just couldn't find the end zone. They score a touchdown there, they, they win the game. And that was in conditions that favor the Patriots so much more than the Bills. I think this their second game was a little bit more of a true um, outcome and a true indication of how these two teams match up against each other. The Bills easily have the best secondary in the NFL. Mac Jones had his worst game of his season against them in Week 16. 14 of 32 passes, only 145 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. 
The Bills rank in like the top three, top five, and basically every single major statistic. Patriots impressed me. They're better than I thought they were going to be this year, but this is a tall order for them. The only way they're going to win is if is if they get bad weather and they somehow just just kind of run the ball like they did in their first game. But I'm not going to bet on that happening because that's a little bit of uh, speculation. I'm going to trust the numbers. I'll take Bills minus four, minus one ten. My next big money line underdog pick. My pipes are going nuts. They've been so loud lately. I hate New York City apartments already. You literally can't even choose. Heat is either on or off. Yeah, I got two temperatures. Freezing to death or so hot you can barely breathe. Um, and even when you have the heat on, you can't control when it actually turns on. It just randomly turns on and off. And when it turns on like it is right now, the pipes make a ton of noise. Ay, ay, ay. Um, not good if I'm trying to record a podcast. Eagles, Buccaneers, not even taking the points here. Very aggressive play here. Eagles plus 310 on the money line against the Buccaneers. You guys know I've been a big lover of the Eagles all season. I've been a believer in the Eagles. I think they've quietly been one of the better teams in the second half of the season. I think they win this game all right. They run the ball on 51.16% of plays. That is the highest mark in the NFL. They average 4.9 yards per carry. That's the fourth highest mark in the league. They can find success on this Tampa Bay defense. Everyone has, and I've heard people say it this week, Tampa Bay is one of the best run defenses in the NFL. And they did for the first half of the season, but... And so the first half of the season is kind of weird. The Tampa Bay defense was a tale of two halves of the season. The first half, they were very good against the run. Their secondary was extremely vulnerable, and it kind of seemed like they overcorrected because the opposite is now true. Their secondary is one of the best in the NFL, but they can be run on. They're actually 15th in the NFL in opponent yards per carry. There was a stretch there, I remember. It was like them and the Saints were the top two teams. All of a sudden, the Tampa Bay has fallen all the way down to 15th in opponent yards per carry. Over their last three games... They've allowed 4.9 yards per carry. Not good. Meanwhile, Eagles defense matches up well with the Buccaneers. I've talked about them in the past. Uh, The Eagles ranked 10th in opponent yards per pass attempt, 2nd in opponent yards per completion. They allow a high completion percentage, but they keep the ball in front of them. They tackle well. They don't allow a lot of yards per carry. And we all know the Bucs are a a pass-first offense. Now, these two teams played earlier in the year. Buccaneers won, I believe, is 28-22. The point spread was plus 7.5. Eagles covered. But Buccaneers won that game by less than one score. And they had their full arsenal of weapons. They had Chris Godwin. They had Antonio Brown. Now they don't have either of those guys. Mike Evans is the only guy out there out there receiver. Shout out the motorcycle outside my window. <laughs> they have Gronkowski, but this isn't this is a, a Buccaneers team that stumbled down the stretch. Completely stumbled down the stretch. They needed a huge fourth quarter comeback to beat the Jets. They were It was close against the Panthers until late when they finally pulled away. They were upset twice by not a good Saints team. This Buccaneers team, they're getting overvalued because they're Super Bowl champs and they're Tom Brady. They Last year was different because last year they had hiccups, but like their final eight weeks of the season, they were on fire. They went into the playoffs super hot. They are not coming into these playoffs hot at all. I think Eagles pull off this upset win. I'll take them plus 310 on the money line. I'll take a little take a little shot. My last money line underdog pick of the wild card weekend is the 49ers plus 135 against the Cowboys. This is a very public underdog pick. If you believe public dogs have fleas, and it is the 49ers this week, but 
you may not believe this, the 49ers have the top offense in the NFL this season in terms of yards per play. They gain an average of 6.1. To be fair, the Cowboys are right behind them, ranking third in that statistic, averaging 6.0. But the big difference between these two teams, just like the Raiders and Bengals, are their defenses. 49ers, sixth in opponent yards per play, giving up an average of 5.1. Cowboys rank 20th giving up an average of 5.5 yards per play. And the most important aspect of this game is how effective San Francisco should be running the ball against against the Cowboys' defense. 49ers run the ball on 47.71% of plays, fourth highest mark in the league, and now they face a Dallas defense that ranks 23rd in opponent yards per carry, giving up an average of 4.5. Now the Cowboys' roster, they're flashier, they're sexier. You got Dak Prescott, you got C.D. Lamb, you got Micah Parsons on defense, Trayvon Diggs, who while he gets a million interceptions, is not a good coverage corner, and those are just numbers, those are facts. He's not good at covering receivers, he's good at getting interceptions. And I would argue interceptions are more luck than anything else. Quarterback has to make a bad throw, for the most part. I think San Francisco pulls off this up, upset here. I think, well, I mean, I have, a, I have a San Francisco Super Bowl bet. They're a sneaky play in these, in these playoffs. I think they're kind of built for the playoffs. It's a little bit hard to trust Jimmy G, but if the running game gets going, they're going to be hard to stop. 49ers plus 135 against the Cowboys. Chiefs Steelers. I am very obviously taking the Chiefs minus 13, minus 105. Do I even really need to talk about the Steelers again? They are the worst. I'll back that up because I don't want to be a hot take guy. They are one of the worst. Playoff teams in NFL history. I'm not talk, talking from a record standpoint because I know there was a couple 7-9 and nine teams that made the playoffs. You could argue Washington last year. But statistically, truly, one of the worst teams in NFL, NFL playoff history. I know you guys are sick of me here saying net yards per play, but I will say this one more time. Net yards per play, let's list the worst teams, starting from the worst, working their way up. Worst teams in the NFL in net yards per play. Dead last, Texans. 31st, Jets. 30th, Lions, 29th, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Texans, Jets, Lions, Steelers. If you think the aim of the sport of football is moving the ball down the field and preventing your opponent from moving the ball down the field, there are only three teams in the NFL worse than the Steelers. That's the Texans, Jets, and Lions, but yet they are somehow in the playoffs. They're finding ways to win games. I will give them credit, but there is no chance I will be betting on them in this game. The next worst playoff team, so the Steelers are 29th in net, in net yards per play. The next worst playoff team in net yards per play are the Titans at 19th. I'm not shitting on these teams for no reason. I mean, you want to look at even more advanced analytics. Steelers are 26th in offensive success, race, success rate, 26th in DVOA. One spot behind the Jets, as Rob Pozzola tweeted out tonight, uh, one of the professional sports bettors that I respect the most. He knows and tweeted about it today how bad the Steelers are because Andy Reid said in his press conference that like they're one of the most dangerous teams and nobody wants to play the Steelers right now. Big Ben thought that they were a 20-point underdog. If Big Ben thinks his team, his own team, is worth being a 20-point underdog in this game, I'll take Chiefs minus 13. I can... I don't see, I don't see, <laughs> they have the worst run defense, Big Ben just throws two yard outs all game, the Chiefs already beat them by 26, I think it was earlier in the season, no brainer, Chiefs minus 13, minus 105, I'm ecstatic that I'm getting this number under two touchdowns, 
Last game, Monday Night Football, Rams minus four, minus one ten. I've been riding this team all season. The only uh, um, Browns were the only team all year I bet on more than the Rams. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna die on the hill. I'm gonna die on the hill of net yards per play these playoffs. If net yards per play doesn't come through for me, I'm gonna lose every bet I've made. I'm like, I'm sticking my flag in the ground of net yards per play in these playoffs with both my game picks and my futures picks. If it's, it's gonna end up being like. Um, uh, Bucks and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I'm going to lose all my money and lose all my Super Bowl bets and feel like an idiot. But the Rams, it, for the Rams, it just comes down to Matthew Stafford. He needs to not throw interceptions. They've lost five games this season. All five losses, he threw at least one interception. And three of those losses, he threw two interceptions. And not only does he throw interceptions, they always seem to come at like the worst possible time. It feels like a majority of them are either pick sixes or they end up deep in the uh, deep in the Rams ter- territory. If he, they haven't lost all season when he doesn't throw an interception. Now, there's only been like a handful of games he didn't throw a pick, but just protect the ball. The rest of the Rams are like I feel like he's still playing with the Lions, where he feels like he needs to force throws and make big plays happen all the time because the rest of the team isn't good enough to like pick up the slack. He needs to relax. The rest of his team is good enough to pick up the slack. As long as you don't turn the ball over, you're going to be in games and win most of them. Just stop throwing interceptions, please. That was their game against the Titans. They, they like, outgained them by, like, 250 yards in that game, but he basically threw two pick sixes. One of them was a pick six, the other one was a turn down the one-yard line and then resulted in a touchdown. Just don't turn the ball over. The Rams are going to be fine. I know that saying Locke is Matt Stafford, and that's what he does. But I'll take Rams minus 4, minus 110 against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals' offense has been lost without DeAndre Hopkins. It's kind of tough for me to justify another bet on them after what they did to me in Week 18 against the Seahawks. Uh, so there you have it. I'll give out one teaser. I'm not going to give all my best bets because it's only six games. So, I mean, they're all my best bets. If I were to say my very, my number, my favorite pick is probably the Raiders. If you want to get a little bit more conservative, take the points. But I, I really like the Raiders against the Bengals in that matchup. A little teaser bet for you, though. If we're looking for a six-point teaser, I would tease the 49ers up from th- plus three to plus nine against the Cowboys, and I would tease the Chiefs down to minus seven from minus 13. There you go. 49ers plus nine, Chiefs minus seven. And just to recap my picks here, I got Raiders plus 200 against the Bengals, Bills minus four against the Patriots, Eagles plus 310 against the Bucks. 49ers plus 135 against the Cowboys, Chiefs minus 13 against the Steelers, Rams minus 4 against the Cardinals. Best of luck with your bets, whether you tail, fade, make your own picks, play Super Bowl bets, whatever you do. Thank you for listening, everyone. It's been a hell of a season. Let's keep it going for the final few weeks of the playoffs here. Um, Yeah, best of luck, everyone. I'll talk to you all next week. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. I'll talk to you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.